You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. studying, sitting still, allowing Him to show me and and guide me and lead me. There's nothing like that. Nothing like it in the world. The more I do that, the more I want to do that. And when I don't do that, I'm just, I need to do that. I get so upset because I I need to do that. Because He wants to spend time with me. You realize that the Creator of the universe, God who created everything, including you, wants to spend time alone with you. Just you and He. That's mind-boggling. You make one choice, even a small step, down a path that God isn't directing you very quickly turns into a slippery slope toward great sin. Today, Pastor Dave will exhort you to immerse yourself in God, seek Him and His Word daily. As you do, you become stronger and stay on God's path easily. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3. As he continues his message, David begins a dark path. See, I shouldn't worry about someone else's sin. I should worry about myself and the Lord himself. Me and him. And I love Psalm 27 because it shows David's true heart. In Psalm 27, specifically verse 4, it shows David's true heart. David writes, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Wow, I love that. I love that. We see this is David's true passion. David wished that he could live in the tabernacle. You know, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of Peter. It wasn't wrong for Peter to say, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should build a a, a tabernacle for you, for Elijah and Moses. I'm sure it was great for Peter to be there. I'm sure being in the presence of the Lord and those two guys is like, wow. Peter was going, I can't stand it. It's good for us to be here. Let me build these things. But he was thinking wrongly. But David wanted to be surrounded by the presence of God daily. And I think we need to have that too. We need to have that desire to be surrounded by God daily. We want God's presence daily. And guess what, folks? You have it. It's called the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to live in you and your presence out daily. David knew that there was beauty in nature and the presence of God. Beauty that could be perceived by the eye seeking faith. He could think of no greater occupation than to fill his mind and his heart with the goodness and greatness of God. Imagine that. David could think of no greater occupation than to fill his heart with the goodness and greatness of God. I tell you what, if that becomes your passion, oh boy, look out what God will do with you, what God will do with you. There is riches in God, and it is revealed to the seeking heart. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's a shame that David would know God under the old covenant. 
He knows God under the old covenant. Imagine how much greater we are, how much more beneficial it is to us now in the new covenant. Like I said, David did have the Holy Spirit, but when we were born again, the Holy Spirit was given to us. And not only given to us, but we're told to come boldly into the throne room. We're told to come boldly into the throne room and present your request. How sad for those who don't know that. One commentator I studied said this, quote, in God's presence, David wished to go from contemplation to inquiry. He wanted to know more of God and more of his ways. You wonder why David is a man after God's own heart? You wonder why David is a man after God's own heart? All he wanted was God. Woke up in the morning, he wanted God. In the middle of the day, he wanted God. Before he laid his head on his pillow, he wanted God. We have an opportunity to come boldly to God. David's down a dark path. And yes, he did make mistakes. And he is going to suffer bitterly. He is going to suffer bitterly. Don't idolize them. Don't think, oh, don't idolize them. Because let's look at the sons. Ammon, David's firstborn, is going to rape his half-sister Tamar and then be murdered by Tamar's full brother. That's one. Absalom is going to be killed as he tries to take the kingdom from his father, David. And even when David is on his deathbed, even in the last day, Adjaniah is going to try to take the, the, the throne by force, and David's son Solomon kills him. There's consequences for the actions that they take. And I think that David was a man after God's own heart. He knew the consequences were coming, and he accepted them as God's will. And he continued to praise the Lord, even in the midst of the consequences, even in the midst of the sorrow, even in the midst of the hard times. Yes, David sinned greatly. And we can see the beginning of his downfall that led to this ultimate sin with Bathsheba and killing of her husband Uriah. But even though David would suffer great consequences because of his sin, never lost his passion for God. He never lost his passion for God. He didn't say, well, I'm in it this mark. I might as well go much more into it. He never lost his passion to God. He kept on coming back to God. He kept on coming back. How and where did this passion come from? Where did David get this passion for God? Well, I think he got it tending sheep. I think he got it tending sheep out there looking at the sheep and all of a sudden he was looking at nature, and all of a sudden he was communing with God. Communing with God, speaking to God, and seeing God's goodness in, in, in the sheep, and seeing himself as a sheep. David saw himself as one of God's sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that, you know, Psalm 23, David saw himself in that vein. And I think it was important that during the time he spent with God, he prayed, he listened to God's voice. And many of us are so quick to pray. Oh, I got to pray. I got to pray. And you say this wonderful, beautiful, flowery, wonderful prayer, and you close the door and run away. And God's going, don't I get a chance to talk? It, would you allow me to speak once in a while? David spent time with God, and as he drew close to God, God drew close to him. Isn't that scripture? Draw nigh to God, and God will draw nigh to you, close to you. God comes to David. God comes to him and speaks to him. And David responds to God's goodness. He responds to God's call upon his life. What was God's call upon David's life? First and foremost, to fellowship with David. 
I've said this a million times. God's call upon your life is to fellowship with him. He wants that more than anything. He wants your fellowship with him. And this is what God wants for most of us. But sadly, so many of us are in what we have to do for God. We got to do service. We got to witness. We got to help others. We got to do these. Now, all these are great things. All these are wonderful things, but they should be responding out of the love that God has for you. It's a response. You're responding to what God has given to you. These are great. But if your relationship with God suffers because you're too busy witnessing, you're too busy helping others, you're too busy doing this and doing back, you're wrong. You're wrong. First God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the other things will be added. It's God first. God first. And so we're all so quickly, so, and I, you know, and I'm speaking to myself here. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm talking to myself. We're so quick to put the Bible down and run and help somebody, which is a good thing. But why are we doing it? Will God love me better because I've helped this person in need? No. Yeah, like Martha and Mary. Mary has chosen a better spot because she sat at Jesus' feet. Martha was too busy in the kitchen running around trying to do things to serve her master, and she even came out and railed at, at, at Mary. And Jesus, Master, tell her to come up and help me in the kitchen. No, Mary's chosen the better spot. Chosen the better spot. There's a, a scripture that bothers me. There's a scripture that bothers me, and it makes my blood run cold, and it gives me chills up and down my spine. And it can be found in Luke 7, 23. Jesus is speaking. And all these people are up like that. And they say, haven't I cast out demons in your name? Haven't I did this in your name? Haven't I done that in your name? Haven't I done that? And Jesus' words are horrifying to me. They are horrifying to me because he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But Lord, I did these things for you. I did this, I did that. Depart from me, I never knew you. What is he saying? We never had fellowship together. You never spent time with me. Yes, you did those great things. And don't get me wrong, those are great things. Witnessing, service, those guys, they're great things. But man, if you're not built up in the Lord, who are you doing it for and why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? You're going to go up to the Lord and we're going to come before the beam of seat of Christ and he's going to show you all these things and all of a sudden, poof, wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be burned up, gone. Because you didn't do it with the right heart. Oh, but to hear those words depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, oh my. Why did you do it? I did it for your glory. No, no, you didn't. You did it for your glory. You did it for a pat on the back. I was seeking attention for me. That's right. You weren't giving glory to God's name. The works that remain and abide at the test of fire will be rewarded. But there are so many people, even today, people who come to this church, lovely, wonderful, good-willed people who come to this church, and they keep saying, Lord, Lord, I've done this, I've done that. And he's going to say, depart from me, I've never knew you. Oh. Oh. Frank Clark used to talk, and one of the questions he would always ask me, and I'll never forget that, he would say, Dave, just how narrow is the way? 
Just how narrow is that way? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Just how narrow is that way? It makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think. Makes you think. Can you imagine going up there before the Lord and you have spent your entire life on the wrong path? We need to be like David. We need to seek God at every opportunity we can. We need to learn more of God. I can never learn enough of him. I can never get satisfied with him. I can never listen to enough studies. I can never study enough. I can never read enough. And I'm talking about the word of God. Oh, yes, commentaries are great, and I use them all the time, but I'm talking about me and him, his word and me, studying, sitting still, allowing him to show me and and guide me and lead me. There's nothing like that, nothing like it in the world. And the more I do that, the more I want to do that. And when I don't do that, I'm just, I need to do that. I get so upset because I need to do that. Because he wants to spend time with me. You realize that the creator of the universe, God who created everything, including you, wants to spend time alone with you. Just you and he. That's mind-boggling. That he would even have time for me. But because of Jesus Christ, and because what was accomplished on the cross, now I can come boldly in front of him. And we can converse. We can have a conversation. I can say, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you need? What do you want of me? Here I am. Send me. Here I am. What do you want? David was in trouble. And I don't think he knew it yet. But that's how it starts. It's, it starts that way. And we start down this slippery path. And we don't really even realize we're on that slippery path. And we start sliding. And we don't realize we're there. The war is raging on. And in verse 6, we'll get back to 2 Samuel. In verse 6 of chapter 3, we begin verse 6. Let's read verse 6 through 11. Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. So, Eshbaseth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner became angry at the words of Ishgabeth. And he said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner and more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel, over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. The war was raging on. Abner was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It means he was becoming more and more in charge over the household of Saul. Saul's son was a puppet. Saul's son was just a puppet. Abner was pulling all the strings. Abner was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? Because Abner really wanted to be king. Abner wanted to be king. And we spoke of this last week. Abner's favorite person was Abner. Abner never did anything to improve anybody's situation except his own. Abner was out for one person, and that was Abner. Nobody else mattered. So Abner is accused of going into 
King Saul's concubine. And in this culture, what that meant was he was basically saying, I'm taking control. I'm taking everything that this man had for my own. And there was a significance, a significance here. Abner knew that the kid was weak. He knew he was weak. He put him there. And he was walking all over him. And he, continued, he wanted to continue Saul's legacy. He wanted to continue Saul's dynasty. But the Lord had already taken all that away. Oh, how often we want to continue something that the Lord has removed. We always want to continue and prop it up. We think we can prop it up and make it good, even though the Lord has removed it from us. You know the scripture, the Lord opens the door no man can close, and the Lord closes the door no man can open. And when the Lord moves on, you should too. But no, we have to prop it up. We have to prop it up. That's why it's very, very difficult sometimes here at Calvary Chapel. We pray about these things because, you know, I don't want to get in the habit and say, well, we always have this. Well, maybe the Lord doesn't want us to do this this time. Maybe he wants us to do something different. And we need to pray carefully about that because then if we don't, it becomes tradition. And we do it for the sake of doing it, not because the Lord is in it. And that's what's happening here. We aren't specifically told, but Abner's response leads us to believe that the accusation was false. We don't know for sure. It doesn't really say. It's possible that he was trying to strengthen his hold on the house of Saul, and it's possible he took the concubine as an expression of his power and his dominance. It's more than likely that because of Abner's increasing power, that Saul's son got afraid and got scared, so he accused him. So he accused him and said, what are you doing? How come you're doing this? When confronted, Abner gets angry, and he basically says, hey, you would be nothing without me. Don't you love that? And somebody says that, you would be nothing without me. You would be nothing here. Never giving glory to God. God's in control of all things. He's allowing all this to happen. But Abner says, you wouldn't be anything without me. I got you where you are today. I'm responsible for you being king. How dare you treat me like a dog? Abner's mad at Ishabeth. And that he says he's going to do and see that God's promise to David comes about. I love that. Talk about pride. Talk about pride. Abner is saying, I'm going to go make sure that God's promise happens with David. <laughs> As if God needed Abner's help. If God needs anybody's help in here to make a promise that he made come true. But Abner thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to set up the transfer to the house of Saul and set up the throne of David. I'm going to set up the throne of David. Abner knew that David was God's choice. Abner knew that. And he had no reason to fight against him before this. Abner is a good example of those who know things to be true, but don't live as they are. Abner knew David was going to be king, but he didn't live that way. But Abner did the right thing by joining Saul, I mean David. But he did it for the wrong reason. He did it for the wrong reason. Instead of joining David because Saul's son offended him personally, he should have joined David because he knew David was God's choice. But Abner was a great politician. He was shrewd. His principle was always look out for number one. Now I'm going to go find out what I can get from David. When he realized the house of Saul was going to collapse, and there was no future in Israel, he defected. He switches loyalty, basically guaranteeing his safety and his security, even his life. 
Abner knew David's reputation for kindness. David gave an olive branch to Isobeth. David gave an olive branch to many of the people from Saul. David showed kindness. In verse 10, there's three words that appear for the first time in Scripture, and these are mighty, powerful words, and they relate to the Messiah. The words are throne of David. They appear now for the first time in Scripture in this verse. And as we continue on in chapter 2, or excuse me, in 2 Samuel, and throughout all of Scripture, these words will take on a messianic significance, especially later on in, in 2 Samuel, when the Lord shows David his great Davidic covenant. Beautiful thing. We read in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, and the government upon, shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment. From the time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah prophesies that the reign of the Messiah will not last nearly a thousand years. Yes, we will have a millennial reign, but it is forever. It is forever. The Messiah's reign will be forever. One will sit upon the throne of David forever. What a promise. What a promise of God's reign. There'll be no end to the reign of the Messiah. He will rule for all eternity. Upon the throne of David, Jesus will sit upon the throne of David. He will rule he will rule Israel. When we get to chapter 7, we will see all these great covenant that God makes with David. Now, this may sound too good to be true. He says, but the zero of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's God's work to perform. God's going to do this work. He's going to establish Jesus. He's going to establish Jesus as, as ruler of the earth. He's going to come back for a thousand years. He's ruled forever. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting father. He is our prince of peace now and forevermore. And one day these offices are going to be imposed upon this very world. And for now, they're real for us because we've accepted Christ's sacrifice on a cross. And they become real to us. And we can look at him as wonderful, as counselor, as wonderful counselor, as mighty God, etc. We studied that around Christmas time. So it's all set up for Abner now to come into David's camp and serve him. But Joab is still biding his time. Joab is laying in wait for the right opportunity so he can exact vengeance upon Abner because he still has this axe to grind. And we will see that next week, that the axe will fall very hard on Abner. And this does not make David happy. Again, David is a peacemaker. David's a peacemaker. He wants to join the nation together. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus spoke about that and to be added. You are sure.
The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of King David as he's finally able to ascend the throne. Though he seemed to have achieved God's calling on his life, David's journey wasn't free of problems. David was still human, and he made mistakes that affected him and those he loved. But during the rest of his life, no matter where it took him, David remained a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David consistently turned back to his heavenly father, confessing and asking for forgiveness. David knew he wasn't perfect and that he needed the mercy only God could provide. Today, we hope you too remember that God's mercy is worth seeking. He's provided for you the grace you need to live free from your sin through the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die on the cross in your place, taking the punishment your sins deserved. Would you like to know more about having your sins forgiven? Please visit our website then, assurehoperadio.com. Click on How to Be Saved to learn all about what Jesus has done for you and why you need His grace in your life. If you still have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us, 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in today. You can hear more messages like this from Pastor Dave at our website as well. Just click on podcasts slash radio when you visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.